Hi, I'm Arlen Walker, and I'm live from Pelham's Wasteland, and today I thought I might talk a little bit about a um, sword and planet setting I am working on. Um, sword and planet, or kind of planetary romance as a genre, is something that I'm I'm not, not uh, certainly not the most familiar with it, but I think it's pretty interesting. It Those of you who have listened to the podcast for a while will know that I really like a lot of kind of sword and sorcery stuff, and Sword and Planet is kind of in that same zone for me, where you have, you know, capable, highly capable, but still vulnerable protagonists, and you do kind of like swashbuckling adventure type stuff, and there's lots of high action, and um, in particular, instead of kind of sorcery, often there's a sort of like, you know, high technology sort of thing. Um, but I've read a couple of stories that fit in that. So um, I've only read, I think I've only read one John Carter of Mars story, the the princess of Mars, but then Robert E. Howard's Almerick and Otis Adelbert Klein's um, Swordsman of Mars, I think is the name. And I've read a couple of other ones that kind of fit within the same zone, essentially, that sort of sword and planet adventures. So um, in particular, I so the guys that I've been playing with on Thursday nights, we had been playing Paladin, and then we finished that uh, kind of mini campaign up. And so now we're talking about what else to play. And I said, hey, why don't we play Song of Swords? in a sort of sword and planet world. Cause I think it would work well for that. Cause it's a, you know, crunchy melee combat game and the sword and planet as a genre is at least in part about, um, high intensity combat and all that sort of stuff. So it seems like it might be fun. And, um, yeah, we're gonna, we're going to try it out. So in order to do that, I have been working on a uh, sword and planet setting, essentially. a um, Basically a, uh, a way to uh, – a world to put these sword and planet adventures in. And I thought that I would tell you guys about it and um, see what you think. So let's get into that. All right. So what's the sort of core idea? Well, the basic idea of this kind of sword and planet world is something quite a bit like um, John Carter of Mars, Edgar Rice Burroughs, Barsoom series, um, where what we have are essentially fairly humanoid Martians for the most part. And they uh, are in a sort of um, kind of late medieval, early Renaissance era period of technology for the most part with some kind of variations on that. Some stuff that's kind of high technology that's been left behind by the, the previous, you know, the, the kind of heights of the civilization that it has fallen from and some kind of lower end stuff but in general a fairly fairly medieval kind of renaissance world just one that happens to take place in a um 
an environment that does a number of different things. So one of the big things is that in Sword and Planet, right, it's kind of standard fare to not wear a whole lot of armor. So one of the ideas that I had was, okay, what if kind of, you know, like lamellar iron plates sewn together armor is about the heaviest armor available. And even that is not super common, um, just because of kind of the cultural stuff and also the the heat, right? The idea that um, if you're in a, a sort of hot desert-like environment, you're more likely to, if you're in this sort of, you know, Martian wasteland style environment that you're less likely to wear heavy armor because it's super hot. Um, and, and in particular, the idea that for the, um, the native Martian races, it's not like they need to be concerned about the possibility of things like sunburn and all that sort of stuff. Cause there's, they're adapted to this environment. And so that they would, you know, standard fare would be, you know, like, um, fairly light, kind of like light cotton clothing almost, or the sort of standard, you know, adventuring gear of like boots and breeches and maybe, you know, going Conan style shirtless just because that's uh, a standard adventuring thing. I don't know exactly, but part of the idea that armor would be fairly uncommon and that kind of ties into the idea of using this particular system because um, Armor being uncommon means that uh, you're more likely to get kind of nicks and scratches from swordplay and all that sort of stuff. And in particular, I think this is a system that really um, represents those sorts of things remarkably well. And therefore, you want um, – it seems to me that it makes sense to take advantage of that, to say like, okay, you're – you know fighting and uh, flurry of blows and all that sort of stuff. And we see, you know, uh, a scratch across the chest or, you know, a small cut or something. And um, in particular to have those kind of one of the things that I think is, it's definitely realistic about a system like Song of Swords, but in heavy armor, Fights can take a long time, especially because you have to kind of chip through the armor to make any strides or anything, and that there's a lot of, and also that you end up having to engage with some of the more complicated sub mechanics, right? That if you're all in heavy armor, then suddenly you might need to like grapple to pin the enemy so that you can get the dagger to punch through the armor instead of the sort of standard swordplay and that. Obviously, that is available to the players if they want, but that kind of those more complicated mechanics, I think, um, I don't necessarily want to force players to use those essentially. So, anyway, that just is getting into the sort of idea, the kind of flavor of the system. Um, so, let me tell you about what I have so far. So, I've got an idea for a planet planet name, Mayamoon. Mayamoon, the the reddish planet with four different kind of humanoid or semi-humanoid races. The Vaish, the red people, the Tarsh, who are the green people, 
Um, the Vaish more likely, more often live in cities, whereas the Tarsh are more often a kind of nomadic people who live at the kind of edges of Vaish territory. And um, they, you know, are, are raiders and nomads and all that sort of stuff. The Ulish, the gray people who are um, sort of, I'm imagining them visually kind of like sectoids from XCOM, uh, enemy unknown or enemy within, um, that they, they don't have mouths. They communicate with each other totally telepathically, and they live in underground caverns. So they have kind of huge eyes to absorb what little light gets down there and all that sort of stuff. And then there's the Margar, who are... Um, kind of the intelligent pale apes who live up on like the snowy mountains and stuff like that. And they're, they're kind of uh, like extra, extra intelligent and, or sort of super intelligent pale chimpanzees, basically, if that makes sense. Um, and some of them will have access to, you know, guns and stuff because, that they've stolen. And they go on war raids sometimes and all that sort of stuff. And then we've got some different pieces of fauna and flora. And um, specifically what I've worked out is that there's going to be kind of, you know, the equivalent of a horse except a little more lizard-like, the Kartarsh who the, the Tarsh, the Green Martian people, obviously uh, ride these Kartarshes around a lot. And there's the Kartagu and the Kartagart, which are both kind of dinosaur-like predators, the Kartagu being the sort of like velociraptor, wolf-sized predator, and the Kartagart being this much larger, more like an allosaur um, predator. And then I've probably got some more stuff to come up with there. Um, I've come up with six different deities that um, presumably are the fairly standard. I'm imagining that most of this society is fairly, most of this world is fairly um, polytheistic with the idea being that you kind of choose which deity most um, fits with your particular stuff that that it's sort of like semi-polytheistic in the sense that everybody has kind of like a personal deity but they recognize the other deities uh, so there's Danella, the mother goddess and dinyas her companion the warrior axter the the irrigator gotia the thief yitris the scholar and almost the god of death and the desert and so that's the the sort of six principal deities of Mayamun um, and what they represent, three of them male, three of them female, because it per, kind of creates a nice symmetry and all of that sort of stuff. And then I think the idea being that um, Danella, the mother goddess, is sort of the 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 most commonly worshipped one um but then specific uh groups or individuals might choose their own and there there would even be like evil cults of almost not or not necessarily evil just kind of uh alien almost uh there or maybe a little evil i don't know we'll see 
And then what I've done is I've worked up some random encounters. Um, in a lot of games, random encounters are ways of adding kind of random combat. Um, in this game, what I want really is random encounters to be sort of uh, places where we, as players and GMs, sort of see the uh, the reality of the world happening almost um that something uh takes place unexpectedly random encounters more like random events than like random combat encounters so a lot of these things are things like in an urban environment that you'd have a patrol of uh guardsmen or uh, run into a particularly aggressive merchant or a street preacher for a deity or there's a festival going on today that sort of thing and then I have a table for the uh, civilized overland travel and for wilderness overland. Basically, you know, if you're still within the area, mostly patrolled by the city states um, versus if you're in the kind of total wilderness um, out out in the wilds where the Tarsh range, the, the nomadic green Martian people um, but yeah, it's been pretty fun. It's been fun to develop this uh, world and uh, kind of think about how the system is working. I think what I'm going to do next is I am going to uh, talk a little bit more about my kind of goals for the the world and the campaign and all of that sort of stuff. So stay tuned for that. So with all of that kind of stuff out there, what's the, the goal of all this? And I mean, obviously the short answer is well to have a fun campaign, but specifically one of the things that I wanted to do with this kind of, um, this kind of concept, this kind of marriage of system and setting is to be able to tell really kind of high adventure swashbuckling stories with a serious amount of danger um, and a real kind of um, not complexity, but a real agency given to the players through the complexity of the rules, especially in combat. That's one of the big things I have. So I've been playing uh horn master on, a couple of Tuesday nights. We've played it twice now. Um, and it's interesting. It's a good system, I think, except one of the things that kind of comes to mind as a limitation that it has all of this kind of crunchiness to the combat rules, but it doesn't have a lot of ways to um, actually kind of engage with that crunchiness. Like when you attack, you basically just decide, am I attacking high, normal, or low, and that determines your odds of striking a particular zone. But it doesn't really uh, have much more than that in terms of making decisions in combat. And listeners of this podcast on the regular will know that I often think that a number of kind of types of decisions in combat are a little bit silly. I, I personally think that... Um, a number of what I would call kind of spell-like powers in combat feel kind of silly to me. Kind of, um, there's uh, an element of, 
I don't know. It just uh, breaks my immersion often. The idea that, oh, you have this special power that's kind of semi-magical that you can choose when to use in combat, but you can only use it one time per day. Otherwise, you know, who knows what's going to happen. That feels really gamist to me. And, and in general, the kind of limits per day limitations feel pretty gamist to me. Um, but specifically the idea of like fourth edition special powers, you know, I'm going to rally the troops and everybody gets back some HP, but I can only do that once per day. Um, that sort of thing feels really gamist to me as opposed to the way that something like the riddle of steel or song of swords or the other games in the, that family tree do decision-making in combat, which to me feels really um, immersive and realistic. And it feels like you still have a lot of decisions or important decisions to make in combat. They're just decisions based on essentially um, allocations of mental and physical energy towards individual strokes and, and kind of the flow of the battle and all that sort of stuff. And there's probably, you know, simpler ways. There's um, another game, Honor and Intrigue, which is based off of uh, Barbarians of Lemuria Legendary Edition, not Mythic Edition, the current version. Um, but it, I think, has some really good mechanics for making um, swordplay work with more decisions to make and more kind of interesting tactical choices without kind of all of the crunch of Song of Swords, but I like the the particular crunch of Song of Swords and the Riddle of Steel and those games. So the goal is really to uh, have a, a fun campaign that takes advantage of all that sort of stuff. It's also, I think, to kind of stretch the and exercise the, the design muscles a little bit. I kind of, with each thing that I design and run, I just kind of get a little bit of a different sense. So, you know, um, at one point I was basically only running one shots and now I've run some slightly longer campaigns, some kind of five or six session deals and gotten a little bit more confident in terms of my ability to put together a full campaign. Um, a little more confident in my ability to design an interesting kind of world and an interesting space for the RPGs to take place in. And that's part of the idea with this is that I'll design something kind of interesting, something, something kind of neat that makes the players go, Oh, that's, you know, that's cool. That's kind of something special about this world. And that will be, um, fun to adventure in of course because that's the right that's obviously the ultimate goal is that it'll be fun to adventure in this world so you know we'll see how it works out we'll see how um how things go with this particular campaign one of the other things that i wanted to do and it's sort of it's in the kind of far off in the future right now. But one of the ideas that I had was that it would be fun to have kind of side stories in this world and to run one shots for other people who hadn't played in this system with 
uh, Song of Swords in this same world, kind of in the way, a little bit like what um, some of my buddies do with, like, for instance, Jason Hobbs and his uh, West Marches games, where the idea is it's a living world that you don't necessarily, as the player, experience every kind of event that happens in the world that shapes the world you're experiencing a portion of it but there's more going on in the world because there are sessions that you're not a part of and in the same way i think it would be fun to do kind of like a main a main campaign for the guys on thursday nights or alternate thursday nights technically and then have like you know every once in a while we'll do like a one shot of you know, here is a uh, something happening in the world that is uh, a little bit off off the the main storyline, but it's sort of connected in with the main storyline in some way, um, and to have it be have it feel more like a kind of living, breathing world in that way. So I don't know. We'll see. I may end up. I don't know exactly what I'm going to do. I may end up doing more of a kind of like pulp serial version of the stories for the main campaign, or I may end up doing more of like a traditional RPG campaign complete with like, you know, where are you going to sleep tonight and all that sort of stuff that, um, that normally doesn't interest me as much. I'm normally much more of much more interested in the kind of like, pulpy kind of Robert E. Howard style storytelling where it's, you know, we're concerned with the exciting bits and uh, the rest of the stuff is just kind of assumed that the characters can handle it. Um, but we'll see. We'll, we'll have to see what the players want to do and all that sort of stuff and what is uh, going to be fun. So yeah, that's kind of, Oh, um, and, and then in terms of goals for the world building, I think what I want to do next is pick out a kind of small section of the world, like one kind of city state and say, okay, I'm going to go into detail about this one city state while still doing some kind of development of the larger world and say like, okay, here's the ruler, here's the major guilds, here's kind of adventure hooks, here's things, here's kind of, you know, why this city-state is important and all that sort of stuff, and then eventually turn that into, here's a a first adventure, obviously. A, I don't need a first adventure for like a month, honestly, because we're only playing alternate uh, Thursdays, and the first one is going to be a session zero. But it would still be fun to have that uh, developed and ready and kind of come up with uh, an adventure for the guys because that's ultimately the whole point of doing this thing. So anyway, that's kind of my, my goals for this uh, world building thing. All right. That's it. That's the whole episode. That's all I got for you today. Hope you enjoyed. Um, if you're listening to this on Anchor, send me a message on Anchor, anchor.fm slash Pelham's Wasteland. You can record a voice message and I will play it on the show. Um, alternatively, if you are listening to this on YouTube, post a comment, like the video, all that sort of stuff. Um, it would be really cool to get some more engagement on the YouTube channel. Um, if you want to get in contact with me another way, I am on Twitter. I am at cows from Powis there. And uh, finally, I hope you enjoyed. 
I have been Arlen Walker. I have been live from Pelham's Wasteland, and I will see you next time. Take care, everybody.